What does it take to win even more sales? Learn how to intentionally grow your business the classy way. You're listening to America's number one sales coach, Tamara Bunty. Here is today's conversation. Hey, everyone. I am excited to bring to you a webinar that I did, turned audio now for you on the podcast family. And with I have on here Pastor Percy Burns, and he is so spectacular. I had to put this up here so that people can experience his wisdom. And I originally met him through a Christian coach that I was working with and went to see him. He's a deliverance minister. And so what is deliverance? It's now a, I'm going to explain this in the webinar that you can listen to, but I'm feel very called to this ministry because it's really about how to experience more freedom. I find so many people because, you know, I'm a sales coach, so I see people struggling and I see people have so much fear and doubt and stress and anxiety and all of these things that people feel are really spirits. I mean, think about it. If someone's got anxiety that started with some sort of thought that came into their mind and where did that thought come from? that told them, you should worry about the future. You should be fearful. I mean, um, I serve the Prince of Peace. I hope that you do too. Uh, Not the author of fear, uh, which is the devil, but think about it. If someone's got fear, if someone's afraid of making a phone call, I mean, where did they learn that? You're not born with that. I mean, I got my degree, my four-year degree in family studies and early childhood development. And the one thing that I remember and learned the most was that when there are two fears that a baby has when they're born, they have the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises, but no baby has a fear of making phone calls. So where did that come from? That was learned. But think about it. You have a thought that comes in your head that says you should be afraid like that. You can't see that thought but it's there. So what is it? It's spiritual. So um, deliverance ministry is about cleaning up all of these spirits that got in us some way. And Percy's going to talk about that. But how do we really be set free? And, you know, it's so powerful. So I really hope that you enjoy this um, webinar now turned podcast and shoot me an email or a text or a Facebook message or however you want. Uh, Let's communicate. Tell me what you think. Um, I think you're going to absolutely love it. So enjoy. All right, everyone. I am thrilled to be here with uh, Pastor Percy Burns. And he has been life changing for uh, me personally. And I want to start off and um, really just kind of tell you how I got introduced to him and yes. the power of his ministry. Yes. And then have him share about himself. And yes. then we're going to get into his book. Glorious Freedom, which is absolutely phenomenal. And so uh, just to get started, so everyone kind of knows how I got introduced to Percy, which has been life-changing. And uh, uh, it's a deliverance ministry. And just to give you a little bit of a personal story, because I feel like that will help people kind of relate to maybe there's some areas of deliverance that um, someone you know might need or maybe you might need it. Um, But it's been life-changing and I wish I met him, you know, 40 years ago. (laughs) And I, but I met him when I was 40, I'm 42. (laughs) And my life has uh, never been better since. And so the the main thing that happened um, with me is I got married in 2014. And unfortunately, I I married a a pretty bad man not knowing it. Um, And with that, um, I mean, my my ex-husband, he committed bigamy, ran up my credit, um, was married to another woman, stole money from me. I mean, it was just one of those things you see on, um, you know, like Jerry Springer. <laughs> You're like, that would never happen to me. I'm only around good Christians. I'm only around successful people. And, you know, I was around um, really, uh, you know, someone that just was in a lot of bad things. And so from that, a lot of destruction happened in my life because of that. Um, and fast forward, um, you know, I was just, you know, in bondage, you know, I was angry, I was bitter, I was, 
you know, trying to forgive, but not really able to, um, I was, cause I was just fueled with so much anger for what happened to me. And I was mad at God, like, why didn't God protect me? And so there was just a lot going on that I needed healing from. And at the time I was actually seeing a counselor and the counselor said, well, you have a lot of spirits in you from your ex-husband. Um, but she said, I'm not going to cast them out. And it bothered me. I'm like, why wouldn't she take them out of me, you know? And so I had met a friend of mine that was a Christian coach. And I told her this. And I said, this has been about four years. And it's really bothering me. Like, why is this, um, you know, why, why, is, uh, why wouldn't she do this, you know? And she's like, well, you need to meet Percy Burns. <laughs> so she's like, would you go for prayer? I'm like, sure. Now, I knew nothing. I mean, I've been around the church for a long time, but I knew nothing about deliverance. I'd never even heard the word. And so I'm like, sure, I'll take prayer. And my first session with him, I mean, I think I went through a box of tissues and just total um, healing. And then I came back again and then again. And it was the third time that was probably the most powerful because I had been doing so much forgiveness work. I wasn't mad at anybody. I wasn't sinning in any way. And all this stuff was out of me. And I'm like, okay, person, let's see if you got anything left, right? And um, I think it took about 30 minutes and, and he broke off the spirit of rebellion. And it was like an entity that broke off of me. I mean, it was one of the most spectacular, miraculous events of my life. And I'm just forever grateful to you for that. And so I want to share his wisdom with all of you. And I highly encourage you get his book, but I want to explain or have him explain rather um, really how we can be a Christian walking around and not be in freedom. You know, how we can be depressed and angry and miserable and suffering financially and all these things, but God didn't intend that. So how do we really get free? And I think the biggest thing I learned from Percy is that if you see someone that's angry or bitter or broken or hurt or anything in any way, it's really not them. It's what's in them. Yes. And so we want to help you identify what could be in us or in other people. And then how we as Christians can do what Jesus did in his ministry, because we have the power of him in us to be able to cast that out. How do we do that and not be it like an exorcism from like one of those movies, right? Like, what is that difference? And so um, I, I want, a, that's just kind of my personal story, how I get introduced and um, the freedom that I've experienced and how I love the deliverance ministry. I feel called to really be a part of it. And so um, Percy, tell, tell them um, about, you and i mean you've been you know in ministry for what 47 years now in this particular and ministry yes. yeah, yeah yeah so honored to do so and i appreciate so much each of you investing some of your time today in this uh together i honor tamara for her courage to open her heart before you uh that takes a lot of courage and uh but i started you know i was uh, way way back when i was um uh, Met the Lord early, and uh, probably around seven or eight, uh, joined the Presbyterian Church as a 10-year-old. Um, had a, a somewhat uh, pleasant youth. I played on the football team. I was in the school play in the beta club, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't get into much mischief. Um, had a primary congressional appointment to the Air Force Academy. I had uh, 13 relatives in World War II. Hero was incredible. The stories go on and on. I get misguided when I reflect on that. Of course, they're all in eternity now. But um, I had this congressional appointment. I was going to make a career out of the Air Force, be a pilot, et cetera, et cetera. And God clearly interrupted. And in that interruption, uh, he called me into ministry. And so I gave up those dreams and shifted gears and went uh, four years to a Christian college and then three years to a Christian seminary. Seminary was rigorous, uh, Greek and Hebrew and so forth and so on. And the first uh, of three churches I've been privileged to serve was in New Orleans, right by the French Quarter. And that's a different world down there, believe me. Uh, so, after several years in ministry, met a lovely girl from Texas. We married, and uh, I was pastor of this old historical Christian church. 
And I just knew there's got to be more to Christianity than I'm experiencing. And so um, I began to just pray, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I, I knew it had something to do with the Holy Spirit. And a professor, a former Cambridge professor who he left that to go into ministry, who was also the top scholar, the king that then England had a king, and the king scholar um, twice had uh, was brought by businessmen and women to uh, New Orleans to speak. And wonder of wonders on the second night, he spoke on this subject. And now I was 33 years old. I've been to school 20 years. Nobody had ever mentioned this subject, knew nothing about it. And he spoke on spiritual warfare or the fact that we can really face spiritual forces. I read the Bible, I was faithful to read the scriptures and all of that, and I'd see it, but didn't know what to do with it. So he told about 500 of us were there that night. He spoke very British, almost nobility. Uh, his uncle was a colonel in the British army. He went to the finest schools in England. His grandfather and, uh, and um, uh, and uncles were brigadier generals. And he's up there speaking very brave, very unemotional, just very businesslike, very to the point. And then he gives an invitation. And like a third of the people get up and go forward and they have a room set up and they have ministry teams and they're overwhelmed. So he just begins to call out spirits. I'm sitting there so Presbyterian that I wouldn't let the organist play softly during the offertory, <laughs> lest it smack of emotionalism. And I'm sitting in the middle of this service and uh, my eyes were probably hugely big around. So after a while I turned to my lovely wife and I said, well, I guess it's time to go. We walk out to the car there in New Orleans and where we were meeting and all of a sudden something started happening to me. Now I've got the most lovely wife anybody's ever had she stepped out of character that night. She said, I don't know what's happening to you, but don't you let it happen in this car. You go back inside. <laughs> so being a dutiful husband, I marched back inside, walked down to the front. The ministry was winding down. A lady came up behind me. I never saw her face. When I get to heaven, I want to look her up. But I am sure she cast demons out of me that night. Here I am, you know, never gotten into much sin, we're all sinners, but never gotten into serious sin, we'll say, serious crisis and so forth. And, and I needed that ministry. And then soon, the next night, we're, we're wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit under that same gentleman that I've referenced. His name is Derek Prince. You can uh, go online. He is uh, now in heaven, but his work is distributed in more than 145 countries and translated into more than 100 languages. And he's one of the proponents of this ministry. He's written five books on this subject. Anyway, so I found myself soon afterwards ministering in what's politely called deliverance or dealing with spiritual bondages that come into our lives and uh, to cast those spiritual bondages out. And I've been doing that for 48 years. I'm astounded who comes seeking this ministry. I'm astounded uh, that many people that we respect from the business world, uh, people we respect from the medical world, people we respect from the academic, and I'm talking about high academic world, masters, doctors, uh, degrees, uh, and so forth. I'm amazed who is supporting this ministry, who is uh, seeking this ministry, who's bringing family members over here. I stand amazed. And I think it is one of the great, great needs of Christendom, particularly in the West. Much of Christianity worldwide takes all this seriously, but in Europe and the United States and Canada and so forth, it's not taken very seriously. People think of this as sort of middle age or something, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever, but this is just as needed now in the 21st century as it was needed in the first century when Jesus did it. And let's, let's look at some scripture. A thousand years before Christ came into our world, he who is son of God and savior, they knew an evil spirit made Saul throw a spear at David. In fact, he did it three times. Finally, David 
gave up the ship, so to speak, and fled. But uh, but this, they knew there was evil spirits, but they didn't know much what to do with them. They play music, or string instrument, or something, and maybe settle down the person. But when Jesus came into the world, wow, Son of God, world changed, and this became one of his ministries. Um, he was ministering to the best people in the world. The Jewish people of that era were the only people probably in the whole world that just believed in, seriously believed in one God. And um, they had a magnificent temple. They had synagogues all over Israel. Many of them were very religious people. Some of the rabbis, I've been told, have memorized the whole Old Testament. And some of them, many of them, were, it was just legalistic religion, but some of them were devoutly believers. And Jesus began to do this ministry over and over again. And so we see this uh, ministry unfolding uh, through the life of Jesus Christ. And, and he, again, I emphasize he was ministering to the best people, not the those worshiping Zeus or Mars or, or some, some god in some temple or somewhere, but he was ministering to the Jewish people. And over and over again, he did this ministry. We've been privileged to go, I have, to Israel 17 times and to, to be at some of those places where probably that happened, you know, is, is a gratifying thought, a gratifying experience. But um, as we still look at scripture, Jesus took 12 pretty ordinary guys, fishermen, tax collector, etc. We don't know everybody's occupation. But he told them to go out and heal the sick and cast out demons. So it was not just Jesus who did this, but he told three, 12 pretty ordinary guys to go do it. Then, you could say, yes, Percy, but those 11 of those 12 ended up being apostles and we write books about them and put them in stained glass windows, and I would say, and rightly so. But he also sent 70 out. Some translations say 72. He sent 70 out, two by two. Might have been husband, wife, team. Might have been two ladies. Well, I don't know if we don't know the arrangement, two men, whatever. And they came back to Jesus and said, even the demons are subject to us. And, and Jesus rejoiced greatly in the spirit. And he said, I saw the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom, I, these are my phrases, begin to crumble. The precursor to the defeat of Satan, when ordinary people, unnamed, not Peter and James and John, the apostles, but ordinary people were doing this ministry. And so we see the importance of this ministry. And uh, I am just so privileged that Tamara was allowed me to share with you. And I think she's got some good questions she wants to ask. And, yeah. and so I'll pass the mantle back to her and attempt to answer her profound questions. Yeah. I mean, I really um, would just like to hang out with him all day. It's <laughs> like all I want to do every day. I, no, I love it. I love it. So um, let's just talk about, because I think a lot of times, and I just think of myself going to church and yes. all of this, and I'm like, why am I, you know, not experiences freedom? So maybe talk about how spirits can get in. Yes. And sometimes we think it's, well, I haven't been in anything bad. I haven't done drugs. I haven't, you know, done these things, but yet maybe an ancestor did. Yes. And things can do generational curses yes. and generational sins yes. and, um, you know, things we can do to heal that. But maybe talk about just different ways that, you know, demon the difference between a demonic spirit versus a mental illness yes. or um, how can we just define or just, you know, notice whether or not we have an evil spirit that we need to cast out. Excellent. 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 Profound questions. One of the primary ways, again, I've been doing this with thousands of people over 48 years and, and have learned some things, God willing, God being gracious. Maybe uh, two-fifths of what I deal with was passed through family lines. Derek Prince, who I referenced earlier, profound thinker, pointed out that all of us, every one of us, had or has, had or have two parents, four grandparents, 
eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents. So if you add all that together, you have 30 people feeding into you, running through vets, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, 30 people feeding into you. And whether they were secular or Christian or some other religion or whatever, you know, they obviously did good things for you at times. They fed you, they educated you, they gave, gave you shelter or whatever. They, and so, and the scripture says, we honor our father and our mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. We honor our father and mother. And nobody had perfect parents, nobody. And those of you who are parents, you would have to say you're not, not a perfect parent either. But we honor our father and mother, one of the Ten Big Ones. But also in the same Ten Commandments, it said evil can be passed to the third or fourth generation. So as we counted back to great-great-grandparents, four generations, evil can be passed to us through them. For the most part, I had a noble family. Many of them have stepped into eternity now. But I'll just pick out a, a thing or two or three from my family. My, um, one of my grandfathers and grandmothers um, entertained U.S. senators and governors in their home. He was a successful business person and uh, obviously was interested in politics to some measure. She was uh, a member of one of the branches of the Christian church. She had a pen that she wore occasionally, a life pen for women of the church of that denomination good denomination, I would say. Uh, but also, she lived with us. My grandfather died early. She lived with us. And she told the fortune at the breakfast table every morning. So my mother was a school teacher. My father was a small businessman. Uh, my younger sister and I would sit there, and she would tell the fortune at the breakfast table every morning. Well, we were active in church. Mother went to church every time they opened the church doors. My father would go about once a month kind of thing. But uh, we were, you know, active church people and so forth. And here the fortune is being told at the breakfast table every morning. And some way, somehow we didn't realize, hey, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't kosher. You know, we, we're doing things that don't honor God. But probably more than anything else, my father, my grandfather was an alcoholic. would chase her around the outside of the house and way out in the country with a loaded pistol. Um, other grandfather was a lawyer, I would say a gifted lawyer, but he was an alcoholic. Uh, and so the stories go, my father was an alcoholic, my favorite uncle was an alcoholic and so forth. So there were destructive things that were passed down. And I very much believe in mental illness and, uh, and would never believe that I could cast mental illness out of somebody, but I can cast demons out of somebody that agitates and uses mental illness. Um, but so much of what has been, we, we inherited from family, so much psychological, you, you find yourself saying the same thing to your children that your parents said to you kind of thing. We, we learn from our families, whatever they were like. But also darkness can be passed through family lines. And as I minister over and over again in this, I've never heard one person stop me and say, person, not my family. No, my family was just great. And none of this could be in my family. <laughs> One thing I have seen, particularly in younger couples, is just the realization would hit them and they would say, I don't want this passed down to my children. And I've heard that over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got nothing else out of this, and I hope you get a lot more out of it, but that, that these things can be destructive, they can be spiritual, and we don't want them passed to the next generation. We want to spare that generation this. But so things can be passed, not only psychological things, not only mental illness. Oftentimes, if a parent is mentally ill, the child, even adult child, struggles with possibly the same mental illness and so forth. I know that happens. But also, evil spirits can be passed from one generation to another. And so that is one of the ways uh, I've, I've seen these spirits passed. And 
very typically I break off anything generational before I begin ministry. I just break off anything generational. Now, when I say I break it off, it sounds like I'm something special. I am nothing special. I feel like I'm a piece of PVC pipe that great grace flows through. Jesus is the one who accomplishes it. It is not Percy Burns. Peter and John in Acts 3 were at the gate beautiful and healed a guy. And everybody got so excited. And they said, there's no piety. There's no power in us that could do this. This is the Lord Jesus. And when I go into this ministry, I know something's going to happen good. And, but I also know if the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't do it, nothing's going to happen. And so that is part of my belief system, part of my philosophy. He gets the praise, he gets the glory. And, um, and I get to see people many times changed, dramatically changed. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's all his, his glory, his honor. Different people do this ministry different ways. We see all, a number of references in scripture, not a lot of detail is given it exactly how they did this ministry. Some detail is there, but not lots and lots. I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts to uh, see some of this activity, uh, particularly other references in scripture, of course. But those are the, if you really want to get serious about it, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. John doesn't say a lot about it, but he says a, a fair amount about it in his epistles, first, second, third John. Um, so one of the ways is pass through family lines and it doesn't hurt occasionally just to go back and break off anything negative. It's not a disrespect to parents or grandparents. They, most of them did the best they could, but darkness can be passed through family lines. Mm -hmm. And Tamara's question also was, and what other ways can it come? As my observation is dabbling in, non-Christian religions is opens us up for demons to come into us. Now, not, and I don't mean you sit in a classroom across from somebody or work with somebody down the hall who, who uh, maybe is a totally different religion than yours. I'm not talking about that, but to participate, to participate. I remember um, we were invited one time by some neighbors. This was second church I served in Shreveport, Louisiana. Some neighbors were from India and invited us to what I thought was a, a sort of a cultural social gathering. And we got there and, and uh, in a board a church to do it. And you know, so I took my family and wife and several children, four children. And soon after we finished eating, they started to put something in, I guess an idol or something in a chair and start dancing around it and worshiping and all. And we got out of there quickly because I would not uh, put my family and myself at any kind of risk there, politely and, and so forth, we got out of there. So it moved from a, a festival of friendship and food and all to uh, worshiping, they've got something like 33 million gods in, in the Hindu world, and they were worshiping one of those gods. Any kind of thing like that, any involvement in the new age, lots and lots of people dabbled in new age, any kind of involvement in new age, any kind of involvement in uh, superstitions. Uh, we're in the Southlands, the South, uh, as most of the nation, but the South had a lot of superstitions and any dabblings in superstitions. That's dabbling in a non-Christian religion. And um, God takes all this very seriously. We might not. Even reading your horoscope, read your astrology charts, that sort of thing, uh, trying to know the future. Mm -hmm. The only legitimate way into the supernatural is through the Holy Spirit. Every other way is illegitimate and offensive to God. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you who might have been or still dabbling and think like that, repent, throw it away, get away from it, and so forth. Things as harmless, as seemingly harmless as a Ouija board or a eight ball or uh, playing seance at the pajama party as a teenager or something. These things open us up for darkness. And, uh, and I just, I've seen it for decades of what it does and how it can wound and hurt. And, and these, these are 
these are personalities that get into us and they have their diabolical purposes to make us less than what God wants us to be. And so uh, that's another way. Um, multiple sexual partners can open us up to spiritual bondage. I've, uh, you know, sometimes in their wild college days or high school days or whatever days, people, even secular people sometimes, I think are embarrassed reflecting back, but crazy, crazy things, sinful, sinful things. And uh, sometimes uh, spiritual beings invade us. I remember ministering to a girl, master's degree, very impressive young lady, late 20s. Um, and uh, I commanded the spirit of the occult to come out of her. She, she stopped me. She said, I've never had anything to do with the occult. I said, have you ever been intimate? Here's old fashioned language, intimate with someone she said, yeah, I'll live with a guy who was very deep in the occult. And so obviously through their activities, that got passed to her. In fact, some people out there, I think purposely involve themselves in some of this activity just to pass darkness from person to person. Mm -hmm. But being that said, uh, another way that uh, in your past, hopefully not in your present life, but in your past life, multiple sexual partners could have opened you up. Sometimes a very innocent traumatic experience in that car wreck, getting lost as a child, wandering away from your home and panicking and spirit of fear came in, something like that. Sometimes it's just the traumatic events of life. Uh, I'm a respecter of the church. I honor the church been a faithful pastor for many years, but even sometimes some of this darkness gets into churches, some churches, and some people get involved in some of this stuff uh, in church. And sometimes another thing, way that spirits can get in us is somebody who controls us. Now, I believe in following leadership and I, I, all of that, but you know, may have been a college roommate, may have been a lover, may, who was just controlling your whole life. And uh, I think that opens us up sometimes to spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. This is not a, a fully covering the whole waterfront, as the old saying goes, but this will give you some idea about uh, spiritual bondage. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I would encourage you to to as Tamara has, uh, get it on Barnes and Noble, you get it on um, Amazon, whatever the book, Glorious Freedom. Also, if I may mention, we've got a website. Website is gloriousfreedom.org, gloriousfreedom.org. And uh, I think we hope to even put this uh, interview on the website. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, um, you know, <coughs> uh, he even, uh, Pastor, uh, Percy even saw my son Jude yes. when he was four and because um, I noticed after all that was out of me I didn't even recognize it and then I see my son and he's got this rebellion in him and I'm holding him and <laughs> Percy's like something's happening and Jude got completely slain in the spirit amazing. and it was amazing and um, just it's like all of that came out of him and I'm just so grateful for that. And I think too is um, for people to understand that, you know, how sly the enemy is. It's not like the enemy's gonna say, I'm bad, <laughs> I'm gonna do something exactly. to you. Exactly. I mean, sometimes that is. I mean, exactly. I had to repent on the way over here because I got mad, I bought a car and they were really mean. <laughs> so <laughs> I got mad back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need deliverance. But, <laughs> but um, we can have those things. But I think too is, um, now let's just talk a little bit about deliverance and sure. can can we do deliverance on someone that's not Christian and can we do deliverance if we ourselves are in knowingly acting in sin? Does it not two, work? Two, two excellent questions. Two excellent questions. I've recommended that uh, people who are, uh, we're all sinners and we're saved by grace and we all have to repent of things that we've done or thoughts we've had or words we've said or things we didn't do we should have done. That's part of the Christian walk as I understand it and I'm sure I'm right about that. 
that being said, there are serious sins, living together outside of wedlock, uh, cheating, cheating, cheating at work, uh, stealing, lying all the time. So a person like that shouldn't do this ministry. Uh, I think you open yourselves up, up to be slammed by, the, by darkness. I encourage mm -hmm. you to, to, first of all, get on top of the sins in your own life, then at some future time possibly do this ministry. Um, with unbelievers, would I minister to an unbeliever? Most of the people I minister to are serious believers. In the world we live in, you almost have sometimes to be a serious believer before you realize that, hey, there can be some spiritual bondage in my life. But um, if I led a person, if I did deliverance, and I would do it in some, a lot of circumstances, if I did it, I would try to lead them to the Lord. It's very possible that spirits of unbelief or spirits of rebellion or spirits of independence or something that would keep them from the Lord uh, might be gone and they might be open to the Lord. So I would, would really want to try to lead the person to the Lord because it's, they're going to come back. Darkness is going to come back if you don't do something to replace darkness uh, in your life. And... So I would do that. I've found it's amazing with children because these things, again, pass the family lines uh, and other ways they can invade children. And children can be different after this ministry. And, um, but I do believe that we, and I hope I'm speaking to some people who are serious about it, that we, the church is going to need, I think in the next great move of God, the church is going to need far more people who know about this ministry, who even can do this ministry because there are not enough of us. And I just, uh, the requests that keep pouring into me are far more than I can handle. And, uh, and so, yes, but I do believe in ministering to children and what I try to say to parent, a parent or parents, this goes better if you will pick up on it. And if you will reinforce my insights or your insights, and, and I'm very, very gentle always, but particularly with children, my obeyed spirit might be making you uh, not obey mommy and daddy. And so we'll tell the obeyed spirit to leave and Jesus can make it leave. And Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed the little children. And, and told the disciples, let the children come to me. And, and so we just asked Jesus to tell the Spirit to leave. Very, very gentle. I made more friends with teenagers and children and, and so forth and so on mm -hmm. with this ministry. So I very much believe that um, don't touch it if you're really in deep sin. I would not advise a person who struggles and not, we all of us have our quirks and our ups and emotional ups and downs and all, but if, if there's some kind of serious mental illness, I would not suggest uh, doing mid this ministry, uh, maybe at some future time when God might have brought you a long way with that, uh, that you might want to do. Yeah. Wow. So um, <laughs> this is so good. I just <laughs> keep asking questions. Please. I um, love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but also if anyone has questions, you can text me or go to the chat as well. Uh, but I think that uh, a thing I've noticed too is that what if someone recognizes I have this drive, I know I'm recognizing a spirit, um, a spirit of anger, um, a spirit of self-pity, um, or even a spirit of suicide. Some yes. people even said to me, I just hear a thought that tells me to go run off the road and hit that yes. light pole like that. Like, okay, let's say they recognize it and they cast it out, but it doesn't leave. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're not a strong enough Christian to do it? That God's not working enough in them? They need someone like you that's like a powerhouse? Like, what does that really mean? Why does it keep coming back? Or why doesn't it leave? Sue, super question, super question. It was just interesting. I was uh, in television uh, maybe a week ago. You know, the commentator was saying studies are showing that young adults 18 to 24 in the last month 25 percent of them considered suicide mm -hmm. what in that figure by you again 
of the 18 to 24 year olds uh, in the last month, 25% of those, one out of four thought about killing themselves. Satan is described in scripture as a liar, as a murderer, as an accuser of the brethren. That is maybe the best definition of Satan. There, he is a strong force, a fallen angel. He's got a host of demonic uh, beings. The scripture speaks of authorities and powers of darkness. It speaks of demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits, which are probably the same thing. Uh, we're under different names. We don't know. He's got, probably got millions, maybe billions of, of forces that he levels against God's creation all over the world. Uh, we're all made in God's image, mm -hmm. and we are the favorite part of God's creation to God. Uh, and some portion of us have embraced through Jesus Christ, God is the Father in heaven. But Satan loves to tear up what God has put, put together. And so we see this uh, whole, whole host coming against us. And um, restate your question again. I've got the, my preliminary. <laughs> my no, preliminary I, I, uh, I, got, I, I missed the, that really good question. <laughs> so, um, you know, we might recognize that we have this in us. Yes, Even I, us, I normal yeah, Christians, yeah, go function, to church. Function, you know, um, <clears throat> we know that there's a, a huge increase in suicide rates, but also, but if, we, if we're discerning enough that it's there and we recognize yes. that it's a spirit in yes. us, it's not me, it's a spirit yes. in me, and we cast it out, yes. but it doesn't leave. Yes. What are we doing wrong that it doesn't leave? And then if it does, but keeps coming back, what, yes. what, why is that? Excellent question. The best, best way, if you can find a responsible person who does this ministry, the best, best way is to go to that person and to uh, allow him or her to or ideally be a pair of people to minister to you. That is the very, very best way. Um, there are not enough of us around. And one of my heartbeats for decades is to see lots more people raised up to do this. Mm -hmm. But there's also what's called self-deliverance. Say that in your heart with me, self-deliverance, where you take seriously the fact that, hey, I'm convinced that this, this anger that takes over me sometimes is, is just not me. And you say, you know, maybe this is a spirit of anger. In fact, I think it is then I would just encourage you maybe to get with a prayer partner, friend, or if you don't have a person like that, just get by yourself and cry out to God in prayer and then command this thing to leave. Demand the spirit of anger to leave in the authority and power of Jesus Christ. Demand it to leave, self-deliverance. I cast you out of me, you wretched spirit. I've done that for myself after my initial deliverance uh, way back, July 20th, 1971. Command it to leave. And then I also, uh, and then the question is, does it come back? Sometimes the pattern is there. We've, we've, we've sort of lived with that, those thoughts flashing through our minds occasionally and, and so forth. And so change your way of thinking. And sometimes the spirit does come back, tries to get back in or tries to put these thoughts in our minds and uh, command it away. You spirit of anger, I'm, I'll have nothing to do with you. I cast you away from me. I, I cast you out and I drive you away. Be tough. Be tough in the authority of Christ. You can do this. You can do this. Let me uh, veer off to say something that may surprise our listeners. I've also learned in 48 years of doing this that spirits can occupy places as well as people. Maybe that you got a new apartment. Maybe you bought a new house. Maybe uh, new, new to you. Maybe the people who lived there before were involved in all kinds of terrible darkness or perversion or uh, sickness or whatever. Do a spiritual house cleaning. Go through your apartment, condo, home, trailer, whatever. Do a spiritual house cleaning. Take the authority of Christ and go room to room. You sense anything dark or heavy or evil. Drive it away. 
the authority and power of Jesus and bless that room. You know, the kitchen, Lord, help me to be creative, help me to eat right, help me to feed my family right, whatever. Um, Lord, the bedroom, Lord, help us to rest at night. Give us, give us good sleep. The scripture says God gives to his beloved in their sleep. And so do a spiritual house clean. Uh, the third thing is very close to the first thing is in Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 12, 11. It says they defeated Satan by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Now, Satan is not, he's too busy to mess with little people like us, but he's got hosts that aren't too busy to mess with us. And so I would uh, encourage you to um, testify. If you sense darkness, evil coming against you, Testify who Jesus is, my Lord, my Savior, the Son of God, uh, Lion of the tribe of Judah, very God of very God, uh, begotten, not made. Uh, you know, testifying who Jesus is, my shepherd, my Lord, and testify to the power of the blood of the Lamb. We think about the blood of the Lamb in communion or mass, depending on what your church calls it. But... Uh, there's also authority in that Jesus shed that blood on the cross and been right there at the two traditional spots in Jerusalem where that uh, happened in the first century. And that you testify to the power of the blood of the lamb. And, and you can begin to see authority from Christ over darkness. And so I really encourage you to um, change thought patterns the scripture says these things that are wholesome and good and right. Think on these things. But try to put your mind on those things of the Lord, on those positive things, on the joyful things. On the good. I'm looking out the window and seeing beautiful uh, woods around me, and God made this. And, and so much of what we dwell on is, uh, is dark and, and oppressive and, and so forth. So I encourage you to to think, to try to change your thought patterns. And that thought flashes back in your mind. It would just be so easy just to take some pills and end life. You know, don't dwell on that. Get out, get out of me, Satan. Get away from me, dark spirits. Yeah, and um, it's awesome and so much wisdom. And I think, too, just to encourage everyone, picking up the word can be very convicting, too. Recognizing, you know, I, I was picked up the word, um, several weeks ago, um, this one particular time, and I started getting angry at a family member. I'm like, I'm reading the word. I shouldn't be angry at anybody. <laughs> and I realized I had to do some forgiveness. Um, but also just to, to even, I really strongly encourage you to read his book, but also recognize two other things that spirits could be in that you might not even think about, like yoga, for example. You yes. think, I'm just going to stretch. And it's like, yeah. but the religion behind it is... Hinduism, yes. right? And so you have to recognize it might be I'm just stretching, but oh wow, we just did the cobra stretch. Well, what is what is that? You know, so it's really taking a look at everyday things that might yes. be masked as a good thing, yes. but spiritually it's a bad thing. Excellent. And so I, I was talking to a uh, a lawyer who I respect a lot, the most accomplished lawyer and longtime friend. And he had looked into yoga and he said, every movement in yoga is a Hindu position of prayer. So be careful about these things. Yes, be careful about these things. They seem so innocent, but we've got a very, very clever adversary who has been doing this for thousands of years against God's creation. And we, we need to be clever, clever, clever too. May I mention also, um, Tamara, obviously I would, love for them to read my book, Great Starting Point. I would mention uh, Don Basham, B-A-S-H-I-M, Delivers from Evil, a great introduction to this subject. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote on this subject, uh, the first, maybe some of the earliest read writings, readings that I've done. And he's written, written a very clever thing on this. He was probably the greatest Christian writer in the 20th century. I've referenced Derek Prince, uh, Charles Kraft, K-R-A-F-T, former professor at uh, Fuller Seminary, he's written well on it. David Appleby, I've been privileged to minister side by side with David 
so on several occasions. He has a master's degree and another master's degree and a PhD and another PhD. It's called a double doctorate. Well educated, very much does this ministry. This is a university professor, retired now. And so a number of, a number of people in the academic world uh, in the book, if you look closely at it, do I have a couple of physicians who've endorsed the book, a couple of PhD counselors who've endorsed the book, David Appleby endorsed it with all those more degrees than the thermometer and so forth. So this is not, uh, you know, just, we want to write this off as overly emotional, uh, ignorant, un untrained people. A lot of serious, serious Christians take this ministry very seriously. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Percy. Uh, we love this. If you want more or have questions, um, we'll post this and send the replay to everyone as well as um, a link for his book. And also just to um, recognize too, if there's anything you, you have more questions about, you know, I can make sure to get that to Percy and sure. um, get his expertise on it uh, to support you and your loved ones. And uh, thank you so much. I, mine, just my heart is just filled with the joy of being able to do this with your listeners and that your courage to step out uh, and, uh, and a subject that many people find uncomfortable and your courageous heart wow i just i know god is going to powerfully use this in the lives of many many people so i appreciate you listeners and uh, listening i would appreciate your prayers for both tamara and for myself as we go forward in this world uh it is in my opinion the most needed thing in the body of christ right now because so many people are so desperate they love the lord jesus but world we're living in and turned upside down and they need help in this dimension so i'm just so honored to be on here and we just please express your appreciation to tamara for doing this amen thank you <laughs> all right everybody have a great day thanks bless you bless you bless you <laughs> to book tamara for your next sales event and increase sales now call 704 247 8333 704 247 8333 or catch us online at tamrabunty.com. Thanks for listening to America's number one sales coach, Tamara Bunty.